Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 74 of Thrive Deeper. It's I, DJ Payne, your humble host of all things Thrive. And on this week's episode, I get to sit down with our dear friend, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and go through the little book of Jude. That's right, the book of Jude, the second last book in the New Testament. It's only 25 verses long, one chapter written by Jesus Christ's own half-brother. So much, so much in this little book. It is all these trails that lead off into other books that we don't have in the Bible today. There is so much in this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Well, we've got that and a whole lot more to share with you on this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. So sit back, enjoy, open up that Bible, pull out those pens and get ready for another episode. Book of Jude is what we're yeah. looking at today. We had a very strange experience together right. around the book of Jude. Did we? Yeah, and I don't. Okay. <laughs> I love, and I love the fact that it wouldn't spring to your mind straight away. And I'm not going to mention any names here. I'll okay. let I'll let I'll let you mention a name if you want to mention a name. We saw earlier this year a an American preacher that travelled to Australia right. came and speak to Melbourne. At a, at a big conf- a big conference, okay. big, ah, big rally. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I'm not a particular fan of this preacher. Yeah. Okay, um, and I'm not going to say it, it, where yeah. you where your position's at, but we came to observe uh, this American preacher, and I we sat in a we sat yeah. very up the back, yeah. very by ourselves. There was yeah. nobody around us, so we were able to. Well, at least I you was. Were. At- <laughs> <laughs> At least I was, I was able to be verbally commenting on what was going on around us. And I didn't have to say shh. Yeah, exactly. You didn't have to be embarrassed or, or run or, you know, move. But we uh, we sat there and um, at, at a certain point in this preacher's teaching, he stopped and said, now this is like, I'm going to say, two-thirds of the way through his mm. sermon. He stopped and said, let's turn to the Word of God. And he started flipping through his Bible in a way that it became very apparent to me he had no idea where he was going. There was no thought of text. Um, there was no idea. It was, in his mind, he was sort of letting the Spirit of God direct yeah. him. And he literally, a very long, it was a very long pause. And in that pause, we looked at each other and you, you smiled because you knew exactly what I was about to say. He's making it up. He's making this up. And he arrived in the strangest book. He arrived at the book of Jude. It, it's, yeah, it's it's a strange book for, for reasons that we'll see in a moment. Yeah. Look, yeah. He, uh, and, and he, he said he, a lot of good things. He's, there was a lot of. There was yeah, a lot they, of they, you can try to be nice about it. But he stopped in the book of Jude and he read the entire 20, yeah. however, 24, 25 yeah. verses heavy. of the yeah, book of heavy Jude. Stuff. And then went on with his message without referring to the Book of Jude ever again. It was like a pit stop in the middle, and 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 at the end, and me complaining about it. But afterwards, I said, "Listen, at least I got to hear the Book of Jude. <laughs> I got to hear the Word of God, one entire book, in the middle of a lot of questionable stuff for me." But uh, really weird experience in the Book mm. of Jude. 
I can't say I've had yeah. that many weird experiences with other books of the Bible. Yeah. Well, it is. It's. It is a. Um, uh, but look, when we say it's a strange book, I mean it has a lot of characteristics of other of the other letters. Like it's a mm. very biblical. It's a very biblical letter. Yes. One of the uh, perhaps uh, slightly strange things about it is the way that it alludes and even at one point refers to the book of Enoch. Mm. And we probably need to say, say a few things about the book of. Uh, Enoch, yeah. which most I, of our listeners wouldn't be familiar with, and I think there's a reference in in me studying it. There's a reference of the Book of Moses as well, which is yeah. not a not yeah, the Book right. of Moses as in the five, you know. No, yeah, the book. The, it's a the, the assumption of Moses, yeah. but actually, um, to, to a section that we we actually don't have, yeah. Uh, access to. So we're actually not sure where, when it talks about disputing over the body of Moses. And we'll get to that. But that's where, um, uh, that's where it is slightly strange. He's, he's, Concerned overall. Well, let's go back to the start. Okay, let's go. Let's we're go jumping, back to the start. Jumping, talk about Jude because because I'm tempted to want to jump in because actually a lot of those things that are slightly strange about the Book of Jude make this book really interesting yes. to me. Oh, uh, I think this is a fascinating book, and it's and it uh, and I think it's fascinating in its placement in our New Testament as the second last. Yeah, it's like a pro in my mind. It's almost like a prelude. To the Re- book of Revelation. Yeah, and I think well-placed because yes. it is actually a prelude to the book of Revelation. It has a yeah. number of themes that, that m- move us into the book of Revelation because yeah. it anticipates the final judgment. That's it. Um, and it deals in the kind of angelic realm yes. uh, a lot, as does the book of Revelation. And some heavy, heavy warnings. Yeah. But uh, Okay, so let's take a big step back, look at the bigger picture here. Uh, Jude. Otherwise known as Judah, you know, he, yeah. he would have been Judah. Uh, uh, or Judas. Or Judas. Yeah. Let, let's, let's, I'll lead towards Judah. Because <laughs> <laughs> your son's name is Judas. Yeah, exactly. I've got Judah. a little, I've got a little yeah. boy named I mean, Judah. And um, uh, the, uh, so the book, the book of Jude, written by half-brother of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Another one. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, Mark 6 um says, um, Jesus left there, this is Mark 6, verse 1, Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many uh, who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? That's What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's been forming? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Mm. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Mm. Mm. Uh Aren't his sisters with us so forth? So this is Jude is Judas, mm, mm, um, and there's very little debate over that. Yeah, actually, um, because of the internal evidence. So that's interesting. Yeah. We have another member of the family of Jesus writing an epistle. Yeah, ex- yes, exactly. Another one that converted in. Now, uh, I don't know if we did much around this with James. I can't remember, but uh, the theories, and maybe this is a. Uh, a whole nother episode or, mm. or as we keep on uh, teasing and talking, you know, uh, off microphone, maybe it's time to start another podcast where we just go down <laughs> rabbit trails, entire rabbit trails out of the book, out of books. But I'm fascinated around the theories and the church tr- traditions and where they come from around the brothers of Christ and mm. around the sisters of mm. Christ because there's basically, I think you could sum it down, there's, there's quite a few different theories. Yeah. One would say that they are not immediately brothers as in their cousins cousins or yeah. other relatives one would say that they are Mary and Joseph's children mm-hmm. you know as as Mary went on yeah. to have have children after Jesus and others would say and this comes from 
obviously more of a Catholic tradition yeah. that where they believe that Mary is perpetually a virgin yeah. for, for forever, that these were children of Joseph's from a former marriage. As in yeah. Joseph was a widower, yeah. he had children, and then he took Mary in. Mary had jo- Jesus, so yeah. he raised Jesus was the youngest amongst us. Yeah. So- well, of course, there's no evidence for the latter. Yes. Uh, and it would have been very strange in that culture for Mary and Joseph just to have one child. That yes. would have been really strange. Very, very strange. And, there's, and, and there's no reason for that, really. Mm. Now, of course, within within Catholicism, there's this idea of the perpetual virginity of, of Mary. Mm. So um, they, you know, there's, a, there's a, a doctrinal issue. That's, to me, not an issue at all. Yes. Because I don't see why that needs to be held to, but with it, but so there is a reason within the Catholic tradition for why they want to avoid this idea that Jesus that that Mary went on to have other children. Yeah. But, but but even even the text, I see no reason to. Yeah, even even the text of Scripture, I think really you really have to do it and to, and and to listen to, like I have dear friends who are Catholics and and who are who are Catholic scholars. Yeah. You know, and really are studying the scripture, and they love it. Yeah. But to see them do the dancing around verses yeah. to ke- to keep Mary in that position, yeah. I, I go. But it says here that Jesus was the firstborn of Mary. Yeah, that's right. It says he was the first. Why yeah. say the firstborn if she only ever had one? Yeah. And they're like, <clears> well, <throat> but he was. Uh, and they go, you know, they have to turn it into a spiritual thing. Yeah. And uh, so again, no shame, no shame. You, you know, again, I don't think it's a. Um, you know, an issue of salvation. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not going to not fellowship That's with someone right, yeah. because they believe this. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated about mm. the different, you know, traditions there. But either way, we we believe that yeah. that that James and Jude were half brothers mm. of 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 Jesus, in the sense that Jesus didn't have the same father. Yeah, that's you right. You know, but he had, yeah, that's right. he had the same, you know, the same yeah. mother. Yeah, that's know. right. Um, so this, this letter is written probably in the mid-60s uh, AD, and it is like some of the other letters that we've been looking at recently. It's concerned mm. a lot with false teachers. Big time. That's the real central concern of this. And it underscores how much of a concern this was for the early church. Uh, they were united by what? By, by their teaching around Jesus Christ and mm. who Jesus was. And the thing that threatened more than anything else to split up a congregation, to fragment the unity of the early church. And unity is all important at this stage. I mean, div- you know, divided we fall. And so f- false teaching was threatening to take people off into little factions and, and also um, injure the very core of the church, which is the way that we understand Jesus and the world and, and our worldview, and these elements of teaching are vital that we're united in the really in the fundamentals of the faith. I mean, this isn't a lot of the false teachings that are cited in the epistles aren't the sort of um, details; they're mm. the real core doctrinal elements that are being messed with here yes, yeah. and that threaten the very existence of the church. Yeah. So the writers of Scripture come down really hard on this. Mm. Um, and this is going to set up uh, a sort of a culture, I guess, in the church of taking teaching very seriously. Yeah, yeah. And the, the need to That's pass right. on sound teaching yeah. uh, that is consistent with the apostolic witness mm. that is enormously uh, enormously serious and, thing and and yeah and we get we uh, 
I think that sometimes today we are a little bit scared to do the same thing that Judas are calling us to do. Mm. We, we feel like <clears throat> if someone brings up something like this teaching or uses a word like doctrine or dogma yeah, yeah. or something like that, some traditional word, some people in the church go, but hey, man. Yeah, it's not about doctrine. It's not about this. It's not about yeah. this. It's about love. Well, it's, we love God yeah. and Jesus. And, it's like, and there's an element of truth to that. And it's, 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 but it's, it's difficult to say it's not about doctrine because everything – is undergirded by how we understand God and Jesus and salvation. Everything, yeah. it's, mm. it all, it's all based on that, and and that's based on God's word. So, God created the universe through His word, and by His word, He sustains us spiritually and physically. Mm. So, understanding God's word and remembering that the, the temptation of in Genesis chapter three of the devil is, did God really say? Mm-hmm. So calling question uh, to what God said. Mm. So this is, I think, really, really important. I think we we should continue to um, to place a lot of importance in this. In, in, in my role as a teaching pastor, I mean, I, I, I have this sense of accountability to a 2,000-year tradition of Christian orthodoxy mm-hmm. um, that means that for me it's not it's – not, um, for me to go messing with the edifice that I inherited of Christian that I've inherited of Christian teaching. So you know if I'm unsure about something or um, or maybe have an idea, I will always go and check it against the sort of mm. um, you know, re- really the kind of major like I, it's like a majority kind of evangelical, Theology, I you know, I go out and I and I look things up and I see what people are saying about mm. this. And if you know, if if most people are um, saying, "Nah, that's not," yeah. you know, that's not right. Then yeah. who, who am I to now? You know, I think um, there's room to progress in our understanding of things, but that needs to be done within a worldwide academic community and so if I've got some some new idea or some different take on something then you know I feel like I need to submit that to a broader evangelical community rather than mm. just start spouting that to the church yes. so like I by choice I'm quite conservative theologically mm. because I understand that I belong to a 2000 year old family I'm accountable to that family mm. and and I'm also uh, have the responsibility of passing on to my church and to through Thrive to the Thrive uh, readership uh, the, the the best of this two thousand year tradition mm. of Christian teaching. Yeah, it's that, it's, it's that fine balance of of you know as a, as a teacher in this tradition to you know sit there and almost like uh, you know to to coin the Hebrews you know this great cloud of witnesses around us yeah. you know to to pass on this tradition that we've been commanded to and that but, and that doesn't the, mean that doesn't mean that there isn't progression so for so example talk, yeah, and I was about to ask you about yeah. that when you say progression that might be hang on yeah, yeah, hang yeah, on yeah, yeah. what do you mean by progression well, what i mean by that is that our understanding of god's word it's not moving beyond god's word our understanding of god's word is is a has been a growing thing in the church. So, for example, I get the picture that sometimes for some people, uh, like there are some people that might stop at Thomas Aquinas, you know, in the thir- at thirteen hundred. It's like it doesn't get better than that, folks. Yeah. We'll just stop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or for mm-hmm. a lot of people, might stop at Luther and Calvin. Okay, you know, and and like we just we we don't do, say anything that they didn't say. Well, I mean, that they were steps in a journey of understanding what we believe and 
and I don't they don't they don't they're not changing um, the fundamentals, but they're bringing us back to an, a new level of insight yeah. into scripture. So there is an element in which the church, in its journey, which is understandable because as individuals we progress in our understanding, don't mm, we? Mm, mm. So the church. Uh, as a whole, has been progressing in its understanding of Scripture. Mm. So, for example, uh, it does that in a number of different ways. New challenges come up, cause us to go back to Scripture. Um, so, you know, when challenges came up throughout the history of the church around uh, understanding the Trinity, challenges from philosophy, challenges from... As the church responded to those challenges, it went back to the scriptures with different questions, mm, mm. which then brought out different things from scripture and different levels of understanding. Um, so as we as we go on throughout history, we go back to the scriptures, and you know we learn more about the background, the language, the history. Mm. Uh, there's more in archaeology. There's more in all sorts of things um, now that more and more comes to light. Actually, it's a wonderful process because uh, more comes to light as mm. we go on. Mm. So, um, so I think there's an element of progression that we can really embrace. So, for example, when I use commentaries to study the books of the Bible as I do in preparation, uh, in the writing of Thrive and preparation for these episodes, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in the most recent work done on these books because I want to represent the best of the most recent work mm. because people all around the world are doing really great work. Evangelical Bible-believing scholars doing really good work on Scripture and, and that takes us forwards yeah. and I want to utilise the best of that. Yeah. It's, this is. I think mm. this is a taste of maybe a, an entire another episode that we could go down yeah. and talk a lot about that. Yeah, I'm sure. sure people have got questions. Anyway, I mean, back to the book of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, <laughs> uh, we went from talking about the issue of false teachers to yeah. uh, the, the importance of right Teaching and that and that's great and that's and so that brings us to the book of Jude and uh, I think we're going to see as he gets into it I, the thing I love about the book of Jude is it's like he gets to the heart of the matter about this false teaching and he gives us almost like a a template or a principle to go mm. by that we can see in, and he uses <coughs> historical references. Mm. As we've already mentioned, some from the Old Testament, some from yeah. you know other other yeah. sources, to give a principle about these false teachers. But before yeah. we get into the false teaching part of it, the bulk of the letter here, it's only you know twenty some verses long. This yeah, entire yeah. the entire letter, the book of Jude. He starts off, and this has fascinated me here because I'm always, always ever since I was a little kid, I was fascinated with the concept that that God's spirit takes the person and they write the book of they write the book that they've been charged yeah, yeah. with right or they write the letter that yeah. God is using and how much of that is you know a personality of yeah. the person coming through yeah. how much is in, you know inspired you know like yeah. what type of journey is yeah. that for the writer and we get the sense of the beginning of the book of Jude because right from the beginning after his greeting he says look dear friends I'd been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. Yeah. So I, in my mind, I've got Jude sitting yeah. there with like reference material, notes that he's been keeping, yeah. ideas that he's had bubbling around his head about, okay, I want to talk about this, about salvation. Yeah. I want to talk about this. Yeah. He goes, but now I find that I must write about something else. Yeah. And it's that, you know, that, that combination between, you know, him, him talking in that way yeah. of of the spirit is urging him to do something else. Yeah. He's he can't write the other thing that he had planned in his own yeah, in his own right. things. Yeah. He has to write about yeah. this and it ends up in our Bibles. I Yeah, I, yeah. It says 
uh, here, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Um, this is exactly what we've just been mm. talking about, to mm. contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's people. Right. So um, this is an example of the work of the Holy Spirit in, yeah. in inspiring Scripture. Maybe, yes, he possibly had some ideas about what he was going to write about, but the Holy Spirit directed him to this. Yeah, And yet you see Jude come through. You see very much Jude's personality yes. come through. You see his Jewishness. Yeah. You see um, the literary background, the sorts of things that they were familiar with and reading. Yeah, um, We see the same thing in Paul. I mean, Paul is primarily very biblical, but he also quotes from, he's quite an educated man, and he quotes from different sources. That doesn't mean that he necessarily validates or no. uh, ascribes inspiration to those sources. No. And this is going to be important for Jude, because yeah. as I said, um, one of the books that Jude uh, alludes to is the book of Enoch. And I'll, I'll let me read a little bit of this letter, and, and then we can get on to the book uh, of Enoch. Yeah. So he says... Um, he talks about these individuals who, these false teachers, he said they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. Mm. Okay, So this is real core stuff um, uh, that he's talking about here, yeah. uh, not just um, incidental teaching, Yes, real central stuff. So now it says this, um, though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, this is the bit that I want to focus on, the angels that, who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Now, and then he goes in similar ways, Sodom and Gomorrah. So he gives examples yes. of, of judgment. And he does that, that's a foreshadow that does, the judgment yes. of these false teachers. Yeah. Now, first of all, he's just a doctrinal point. Mm. First of all, he's referring to, and this is quite consistent with the rest of the New Testament. He's referring to what we, uh, what we, what theologians call the intermediate state. Now, I had a question sent to me during the week mm. uh, about this, which I answered by email um, about um, some confusion around. You know, the thief on the cross said, "Today you will be with me in yes. paradise," but then it talks about us being resurrected in the future. So what yep. what happens there? Now, it's both those yes. things. Uh, and what happens when we die is that our spirit, soul, spirit, those um, terms are used interchangeably. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as a matter of rhetorical device, Paul mm -hmm. talks about the dividing of soul and spirit, mm -hmm. but throughout Scripture they're used um, interchangeably. Uh, our Spirit goes to be with the Lord in heaven, mm -hmm. but that disembodied state is not the final state. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's a still a state for those who believe, still a state of paradise. For those uh, who are in conflict with God, it's still a kind of a state of hell in that mm -hmm. sense, mm -hmm. but it's still awaiting the final judgment. Then there's going to be a final resurrection of all people mm. and then the judgment. So you've mm. got the resurrection, the great judgment, and then the final state. Mm. So the final the final state is a state of is an embodied state in a new heavens and a new earth. So most probably a physical mm. earth. Um, so because we're not Platonists, we're not against physicality. Mm. So this is referring to the inter what is known as the intermediate state, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where um, they are kept bound 
awaiting the day Final judgment. Uh, of judgment. And I think, um, uh, where did we see this? Uh, Second Peter talks about God knows how to continue their punishment whilst waiting for yes. uh, the day of judgment. Now, <clears throat> uh, the, um, the angels that he is talking about um, in verse 6 here, it says, and the angels who did not keep their positions of uh, authority but abandon their proper dwelling. Now, he's probably referring here to the account in Genesis 6, 1 to 4. Let me read Genesis 6, 1 to 4. Yep. And we've discussed this a little bit. It was a very curious section in, in Genesis. Uh, when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God, these are these the angels, as a way of referring to the angels, saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal, their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. Mm. Okay, so these, um, uh, this is, a, it's strange, yes. but the the most common way of understanding this is that these angels came down had sexual intercourse with the daughters of men and in doing so they they left their proper sphere they came to earth became males and sort of abdicated their their positions yeah. in doing so now here's where the book of enoch comes in Enoch, Enoch. Uh, it's a non-biblical. It's an it's an it's a non-canonical book. Even in in all except one Christian denomination, the yeah. Ethiopian yeah. Orthodox. Ethiopian Orthodox say it's part of our Bible. It's part of the Bible, and and the reason they do that but, is because Jude quotes from it. Yeah. But just because he quotes from it does not mean that he ascribes inspiration. And to and, it. and and I want to say it's having read the book of Enoch. Uh, you know, and it's a very long, weird book. Um. It's. It was never accepted by the Jewish no uh, tradition. Yeah, it's still not accepted by the Jewish yeah, tradition right. as part of the. That's right. You know, part so, of so it. Jude, Jude is part of that Jewish yes. tradition. So he's not. He himself is not quoting it as a biblical book. Yeah, he's simply he's simply um, when he and he does actually quote from it at mm. some point. Yeah, in, in as much to say, well, this much is true. Yes, alluding yeah. to it's a little bit like uh, you know the the. Perhaps if, if any of our listeners are familiar with uh, Milton's Paradise Lost and Paradise Regained, yes. you know, it's this poem about all of the things that happen in between. You know, how did Satan get there yes. and what happened before and what happened now? It's very conjectural, yep. um, what, you know, but it, it's, it's a piece of uh, kind of – it's fictional, but it's trying to um, – Answer some questions. Yeah, it's trying to answer some questions around the, the biblical yeah. text. And like, and like so the Book of Enoch will, will expand. It's, it's Parts of it are, you know, seem a little bit silly. Uh, it talks about – like with, with this part of the fallen angels, it'll actually name the angels. It'll name – it says, you know, there were 20 of them. Like yeah. it gives details about it that yeah. we don't really need. It's yeah. like details that we don't really need and it talks yeah. about the judgment and it names different people. <laughs> That's right. And and it, it called the angels, it refers to them as the watchers. Yeah. Now, have you seen? I think you've seen Noah. That the movie. Mm. Uh, who made that movie again? Um, uh, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, um, one of the big complaints about uh, Noah, the film, is well, what, what all this other stuff about the watchers and they're they're covered in stone yeah. and. 
you know, where, where is all that from? Well, it's actually from the Book of Enoch. Mm, mm. Uh, that's where he gets all that stuff from. And, and Noah is in the Book of Enoch. You know, there's prophecies around that. Enoch is giving Noah, pro- you know, like it's all in there. I mean, don't even bring up the Noah movie. I think that went way off the rails about about it all. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, it's there but, were things actually things that I there were things I, I love the reconstruction of the flood. I mean, it's mm. with a lot of these films. It's it's the the sort of reconstructions of both the ark and the flood, and yes. there were elements of it that I that I liked. But the, my favourite thing the, about the, the, the Lord bo- of the Rings <laughs> version of the Bible. <laughs> my favourite thing about the Book of Noah. We're totally down a rabbit trail now. The book, the the, the movie Noah, yeah. is that. The people who were rebelling, the sinful people, yeah. no one was not believing God. They all yeah. called him creator, the maker. Yeah. And they were rebelling, very openly rebelling against yeah. the maker and yeah. what he had done. Yeah. And I, I, as that, as an insight into that generation of people, I was like, oof, that's yeah. uh, that, that's pretty heavy. Anyway, getting back to the book of Enoch, <laughs> getting back to the book of Jude uh, here, um, he quotes from it, and and the principle here is getting back to this idea of the fallen angels, the Nephilim, yeah. the, the angels who who left their place, uh, procreated with beautiful women. And yeah. and gave us a you know um, you know gave us the giants gave yeah. us the men of law gave us Goliath you know yeah. in in that tradition type of thing uh, for some people this is a like I've mentioned it before this is a big conspiracy theory to this yeah. day yeah. that there is you know this alternative reality this Illuminati these these people mm-hmm. who are controlling the world is somehow related back to this satanic mm. uh, you know infiltration into God's plan well. You know how much I love a conspiracy theory. <laughs> and again, I, I think there is- there Not is, sure what to say. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what to say either because there's something about how important this is because this is a theme that comes up in the Bible. We can't deny that it's true. And it also comes up in Revelation. It's dealt with at the end as well. So there is something bigger spiritually going on here that God is dealing with. Yeah. I don't think we need to live in fear of it or obsessed by, you know, uh, by these Nephilim or by the, you know, because that's not well, the charge we're given. Yeah, it's 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 part of a um, it's part of a worldview in which we acknowledge a spiritual element yes. to the universe. That the you know the physical tangible universe is not all there is mm. to reality and part of that spiritual reality is these spiritual beings some of which are fallen some of which are evil now i mean in in many i mean every culture has had some belief mm. in these sort of evil uh evil beings i mean um you know particularly uh people groups that live quite close to nature mm. have tended to have you know, views about evil spirits. Yes. And we, I think it's arrogant to say, oh, well, they're unsophisticated, you oh, know, no. pre-scientific. Um, well, actually, I think that scientific reductionism is what's naive, actually. Yes. And um, I think these people are intuitively, spiritually in touch with a reality that is part of reality, but it's not something, it's not, ult- it's not the ultimate aspect of that reality no. because, um, there is a God against whom they have rebelled, and there are there are uh, angelic beings who serve God and are um, pure. And uh, but this is all part of this reality in the background. And Scripture affirms this throughout. You see, you know, the, the New Testament talks about Satan and uh, and demons, and Jesus is dealing with demon possession. And so, this spiritual realm behind 
what is going on in the world. And we, yes. we, we just talked, we referenced the book of Revelation. Where we get the book of Revelation. That's yeah. all over Revelation. So yes. um, this is, you know, a big part of reality. It's important to, to recognize that there's way more going on. The stakes are much higher than we perceive them to be. And so we need to trust Mm. what the scripture says mm. stick to the path hold on to Jesus we don't need to fear this stuff yeah. uh, but we do need to be wary Hey family, it's DJ here with you and I'm going to keep this one really short and brief this week, okay? Don't fast forward just yet, alright? <laughs> now, if you are encouraged by what you get out of Thrive Deeper, this is episode 74. Wow, 74. If you've gotten something out of what we're what we're trying to build here in Thrive Deeper, can we ask a big favour of you? I'm going to keep it really, really simple this week. Head over to iTunes, head over to Apple Music or Apple Podcasts where you see your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Say something really great. Tell people about your favorite episode or something that you've learned and leave a five-star review. I know it sounds a bit greedy or it might sound a bit funny, but I tell you what, the way that the algorithms and the computers and the bots all work in recommending episodes to people, our little podcast will get recommended to more people if you leave more five-star reviews. And doing it in Apple Music is a really simple way to do it. It doesn't doesn't cost anything. It's only a couple minutes of time. And if you're feeling like you want to level up, you want to go one level up, I'm going to give you something to do as well. Follow me on social media, DJ Payne, DJ P-A-I-N-E. I'm Payne with an E on the end. You can follow me on anywhere on social media. You, you have a look on any social media platform. I'll be there as DJ Payne and I will follow you back. Get in touch and let me know that you've been listening to the podcast. That's all I'm going to ask you to do this week. We've got some big news on the way, timing it with when Matthew comes back from Europe. And so keep listening in the next couple of episodes. We've got some great new stuff to tell you about. But for now, let's get back into the book of Jude with Matthew and myself on Thrive Deeper. DJ Payne and Matt Jacoby, and we are looking at the book of Jude on this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. Now, Matthew, we've given the background of a lot of it here. We've talked about that Jude is is pretty much affirming the, the ultimate spiritual reality behind a lot of these facts and stuff, but he is 
the reason why he's talking about what he's doing is he's almost giving us this pattern, these types, when it comes to what is the motive around these false teachers and what we are to do with them. Yeah. Because his, his, his great concern and the reason why he's writing this is for the church yep. to be aware of what to do about the false teachers and what is the bigger picture around them here. Yeah, yeah that's right. And he treats it really seriously, as we've been saying before. And this leads him to talk about uh, judgment. He's he's foreshadowing. Mm. Um, he's foreshadowing judgment, and this makes Jude quite a dark letter in some ways, um, but only in the sense that he's wanting to point people to the light. You yeah. know, he's wanting to uh, remind. Uh, people of what is most important, and and just assure that, in, in, ensure that we're upholding the faith. Hmm. I might jump in here to the middle of this letter and pick up. So we've talked about um, the uh, angels not keeping their positions of authority, but yep. abandoning their held for judgment because he's foreshadowing judgment. Um, he says in verse 8, in the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. Mm. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do not understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Now, mm. just a little explanation is needed around that. First of all, the idea behind this is that um, we are not authorized in ourselves to bring judgment mm. on Satan. That's mm. God is the judge, not us. We we can stand in Jesus Christ. We can stand against Satan, mm. but uh, but there is something about these false teachers that there's a kind of arrogance. I mean, because we don't exactly know what the situation is, but evidently there's this kind of arrogance where they feel that they can bring judgment on these celestial beings, that they have some kind of power, mm. some kind of cosmic power or, or something. To, to and, and the authority of that, uh, Jude here is saying, is, is somehow coming from their dreams that they are having. It's strange. We don't know what's going on and, here. Uh, and somehow through that acclaimed authority, they are able to scoff, like different <clears throat> yeah. translations translate the word a different way, but it's not in not an idea where they are like poo-pooing it, saying, I don't believe in yeah. it. It's the idea that they are thinking that they are so superior yeah. that they don't have to live in you know, the yeah, right yeah. place of yeah, where, right. where, where God has called us to yeah, be. Yeah, that's right. And so he's, he alludes to the fact that the Archangel Michael, now um, he talks about, the Archangel Michael disputing about the body of Moses. Yeah, yeah. And this is another extra biblical Yeah, and this is reference. another extra biblical um, uh, section. And, and Jude, wants, Jude is uh, citing this sort of as an example mm. of correct theology, mm. Mm. Um, really. I mean, um, so it's like, you know, that story, it's like him saying, you know, that story about the, uh, you know, Moses, Moses yeah. Sorry, the archangel Michael disputing over Moses' body. Well, uh, well, remember that how the archangel didn't even rebuke Satan, but said the Lord rebuke you. Well, that's yeah. what I'm talking about now. Whether he's ascribing, you know, yeah. 
that a validity happened? to the yes, story, yes, yes, or yes. We, we don't know. Yeah. And it does. I don't think we have to demand that he, he is. He's simply drawing a doctrinal fact mm. uh, from that story. Now, um, I mean, the issue there... Now is, now, is it cool that we think that Michael Michael and, and Satan fought over Moses' body? Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. <laughs> That's right. It's like a little footnote. And, and the, the, the situation <laughs> there um, in that extra-biblical story is probably this idea that, you know, Satan as the accuser by establishing Moses' guilt would deprive him of the right of an honourable burial, you know, um, and presumably claim ownership over his body. Mm. So he's probably accusing, oh, but Moses sinned, and, and so he doesn't have the right to, because we actually don't know. I mean, part of the thing here is that no one knows mm. where Moses is buried. Yeah. It's like, like the Lord buried him. Mm. And and so, again, you've got this extra biblical material that puts this narrative behind that, that there was this dispute that Satan was accusing and saying, no, but Moses sinned and so he shouldn't have the right for this kind of burial. Yeah. And, you know, and, and in Scripture, God is often pictures doing things through angels. So mm. the archangel Michael is seen as the one who takes and buries Moses. And so there is this kind of dispute that's pictured, pictured here. Anyway, the point is... The doctrinal point is yes. that the Archangel Michael himself, as even an archangel, does not presume to be the judge, mm. but um, leaves that for God. Yes. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, yes. to quote the scriptures. So um, so he says, the Lord rebuke you. Mm. And again, this is, I mean, it's interesting, it's possibly an um, allusion to Zechariah 3, and Zechariah 3, it says, um, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Mm. Uh, now, this is the Lord saying that, but it, it, but he is. Um, th- there's a sense of this is my prerogative yes. to bring judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what's going on in that strange little section yeah, yeah. Uh, of the book. Um, but then he, you know, he goes on. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. Balaam, of course, is the pagan um, priest, uh, prophet, uh, whatever you want to call him, diviner. Yep. Yes. Who is uh, paid to curse uh, Israel? Yeah. So that's that's and, that, and that's going all the way back to the to, Book of know, Numbers. Yeah. To that's the, right. To, yeah. to the very beginning. And if you remember that story. Uh, you know he is paid by a, a pagan king to to call down because he has some sort of connection with God. There is some yeah. connection that he knows, and God forbids him to curse the people, the, yeah. the Jewish people. Yeah. And so he, for money, then int- he goes, "I can really pull them away by interest introducing them to foreign women and false yeah. gods." Yeah. So he achieves what he wants to do. You know, supplants yeah, what God right. God does does it in a really wily way. So this is one of the things I love about Jude. You can just run past the references, yeah, and and that's fine because he's he's using these references as a pointer to what's actually going on. Yeah. So there's multiple levels of understanding here, but if we know a little bit about the story, yeah. it actually carries a lot more weight. Yeah, that's right. About what he's actually accusing these people of doing. Yeah. And that's that's the power of these letters because they allude to these stories. Yep. But you have to know the stories to get the weight of the point that that is being made. And all of these stories from the Old Testament. Yeah. So and I say that again because just recently someone said to me yet again, I don't like the Old Testament, I just like the New. And I was like, 
you mm. are, you are, you you're sh- standing on shaky ground here because you know how are you going to know about the reference of Korah? They perished in a rebellion. What does that even mean if you don't read the Old Testament? Oh uh, yeah, I know. Uh, it's it's to me it's unthinkable to live the Christian life yeah. outside of that narrative. Mm. Like we we are actually part of a story. It's not just about believing certain things. Mm. We're actually part of a story. You have to know the story. We belong in the story. And there are patterns to that story. Mm-hmm. And and so I navigate with reference to those patterns. Oh, this is like when I David know. was, or this is like this, or that's like, and this is what happens in these New Testament letters. Yeah. This is like Balaam, or this is like Korah, or this mm. is like, uh, you know, these, these various... Um, elements of the biblical story. So they're constantly referring back to the elements of the story because mm. it, they're saying, so this is the kind of thing that happens again and again and again. They're navigating by the story. It's, it's un, To me, it's unthinkable to live and not be familiar with that story. Mm. I, I cannot uh, imagine why anyone would seriously claim to walk with God and not be a serious Reader yep. of the Bible. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I know that's hard line, but no. But I, I just want to keep pointing people back to the scriptures. That's what we need to do. So he references Cain, of course, Cain and Abel, right at the beginning. He re- references uh, Balaam there with the Jewish people, and then he also references from that same time period there Korah perishing in a rebellion. Now that was the sons of Korah. This is a very familiar thing yeah, to you, well, of course, Matt. Well, the, the sons of Korah, of course, were. Well, the interesting thing is, is that it says in Numbers that the family was swallowed up by yes. the earth. But then if you follow the genealogies of um, in Chronicles, yeah. evidently there was a survivor. It makes the point. Yeah. Uh, and and there's this is a story of grace, right? Mm. Because, mm. you know, from this condemned family... Uh, Korah family. The, yeah, the, uh, the sons of Korah are taken and, and put in this really important responsibility of being music you know the part of the worship team as it were for king david for uh, well probably yeah well well it's i mean david is the one that established uh, yeah. the the family so mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a remarkable story of grace, actually, the story of the sons of Korah. Um, but so Jude's referencing this in in the but fact that he's referring to the rebellion yes, itself, and, the, right. and, the, and with the rebellion against God, they end up perishing and perishing in a, in a horrific way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's he's using all of those examples about uh, you know about judgment for false yeah. teachers. Yeah. Uh, his, his description of them is is a classic. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. It's like they're feeding on you. Mm. They're, they're they're trying to get something out of you. Mm. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. Oh, it's just really harsh. Uh, it, it's really harsh stuff. And then he goes on to say, and this is um, where he quotes from Enoch in verse 14. He says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Now, um, Enoch, it says, it's the one line we get of Enoch in Genesis. That's it. Uh, it says, and Enoch walked with God and he was no more because God took him. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's all it. that it says. So, but But it's important because Enoch was one of the, uh, was along with Elijah, who was taken up to heaven, mm-hmm. um, is the only other person that was didn't physically die, oh. but was sort of yeah, just taken, taken up, up. Uh, along, of course, with Jesus. Um, so, so that caught has caught the imagination of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot in the extra biblical literature in the this um, intertestamental period where the Book of Enoch comes from. That yes. Uh, 
around this character. There's a lot of elaboration on mm. who is this character. He walked with God and he was taken up. Mm. I mean, you could. I mean, I'm curious. Yes, <laughs> it's not yeah, surprising. Uh, so um, uh, he says, so Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of His holy ones to judge everyone, to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and all of the defiant words that they that ungodly sinners have spoken against him so he's um he's quoting something actually very uncontroversial from yes. the book of Enoch i mean yeah. that that could be from any part yeah. of scripture uh, and certainly that same sort of doctrinal point is made elsewhere in the totally. New Testament. Totally. So he's saying, he's not, as I said, he's not necessarily validating the whole book. Mm. Uh, he's just quoting from the book as if to say, well, this much is true, yes. Enoch, which evidently is must have been a very um, uh, a very familiar book in its day. It's like how Christians today might refer to, I don't know, the purpose-driven life or, or yes. some... A book that's really familiar to yes. us. That in in two thousand years' time, if we're still around in two thousand yeah. years, people uh, go, "What is our, that weird? in this present form?" Yeah. If you know that they they will say, "What what what is that book?" Yeah. Uh, so um, this is kind of what's happening here, yeah. and he's using it as a as a again another example of judgment. Mm. So as I said, it's a, it's a dark book in some ways, but it's about contending for the light. Mm. Mm, that's it. That's it. So as as we go on, he, he he's the thing, the principle that we can get from all of these examples that he gives. So he gives all these examples of uh, false teachers. Yeah. And the one thing that that we get the same theme for it all is obviously there is something about their authority that they think you know yeah. they they have a false idea about their authority. They have a false idea about. Uh, you know, making money yep. from from the yep. congregation, and they have a false idea about sexuality or proper sexual relations, yep. because they're the themes that sort of Jew keeps yeah, pointing yeah. back to. These are the patterns that I keep seeing throughout history, and these false teachers are just living in that yeah. same pattern. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. And I, and I think for us today, and, and for, we need to be mindful that God has given us the Book of Jude in our Bibles yep. today. Because the same patterns of false teachers are yeah, happening absolutely. today. Yeah, there are, absolutely. There are people out there uh, talking about their authority in a, in a contrary way to Scripture. Yeah. There are people out there abusing people yeah. financially, and that's yeah. easy to see. You know, we, yeah. we it's a, that's a very common one to point yeah, to the televangelist yeah. or anybody like that. And then there are other people, and news is rife with it in this current day that we are speaking. There is multiple news stories out there of. Awful, awful sexual abuse in the church, yeah. and I'm not just talking about you know yeah, priests yeah. or things like this, but evangelical leaders and pastors from all different types of denominations who have these wrong ideas about their authority yeah. and what is right for them, and abu sexually abusing relationships, families, yeah. people, young, yeah. old, everything in the church. It's a common. These are these are ever present dangers. Exactly, That's right. and and the dangers of. You know, false teaching even more today because of the availability that we have through the through the web. I mean, it's just what can get out there and get into the minds of people. Yes, and even through uh, even through popular media, mm. I just don't think we can under. I don't think we can uh, really overstate how much gets into our heads yes. from what we just see as entertainment media a lot of the time mm. your endless tv series and but that 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 
okay, we might say, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's so value laden, mm. and uh, and it has the effect if you know if we don't really be measured in our the way that we access this. Mm. I think inevitably it shapes our mind and messes with our worldview, 100%. shapes our values because it's appealing to our imaginations. And, and people might say, but, oh, but I know that that's not true and I know that that's not right and I know that that's not right. But yeah. see, we're more than just brains on a stick. We're more yeah. than just intellect. We, it's actually spiritual formation happens through the shaping of the imagination yes. and the will. Yes. And so um, the what happens, I think, through these different sources is the shaping of the imagination of the will that can be happening even while we're saying, oh, but I know that that's wrong, yeah. uh, and yet it can still be shaping I, me in Yeah, I, I believe that culture, deep ways. culture is like a river. You know, we're in a river. You know, the culture is going along and, you know, we can argue about what defines and, where, you know, which way it shapes the river, you know, and how, it, how fast it's going, all that different types of yeah. things. But the point is, we can be the we can be the fish in there swimming the other way, saying, "Listen, I know the right yeah. way." <clears throat> yeah. We're still in the culture; it is saturating yeah, us, that's right. and it's and it'll push us in a certain direction. Yeah. We need to be mindful of where that's going. So, to wrap it all up here, Jude has given these heavy warnings for us about mm. false teachers and their attitude and the spirit behind them, how to keep an eye on them, what mm. we must be doing, and he he then he then goes on to tell us that our job is to be you know you know praying in the spirit about it to build building up each other's faith he talks about and this is amazing since he's talking about his own half brother he talks often throughout this little book about the lord yeah. jesus christ being lord and master He's a slave. I'm his yeah. slave. Yeah. Like he talks very much. He doesn't talk about Jesus in this yes. highfalutin king yeah. way or anything like that. He talks about Jesus as I am his servant. I am his slave. He is Lord. He is the master. And he sort of he sort of projects that relationship, that aspect of, yeah. of, of the Christian life. I th- That to me is remarkable. Because if anyone yes. is going to exercise this familiar, ah, oh, it's just Jesus. Like, what's the big deal? Like, he's, it's like my brother. Yeah. I mean, this is what I think Jude's attitude towards his his brother mm. is. I think this is um, really affirming of actually who Jesus is. The fact that his own brother can refer to him like this. I mean, this is this doesn't happen. Mm. That so he has been awakened to this. He has had some encounter with Jesus in his majesty that has completely changed his view. I mean, this is really remarkable. So I think um, this is just a great little bit of evidence for the fact that there's really something amazing going on here, Mm. that Jesus' own brother can be referring to him like in in these terms that that he does, Mm. when you would just expect so much the opposite. And at one time when he went to his hometown – the people were saying, oh, it's just Jesus, if, yeah. you know. But clearly he's had an encounter that has completely changed that. Yeah. And I don't think we can explain that count encounter apart from the fact that Jesus actually is who he said he was Amen. and reveals himself to people by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and even and even the fact, one little thing that popped out to me, and I think it might be different with the translations here, is that very early on when he talks about um, – in verse 5, Jude goes back and he goes, So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt. Yeah. 
Who, like he's right there saying, <laughs> yeah. you know that Lord, you know the God yeah. of Israel. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was Jesus. Yeah, you know, type yeah. of thing, right from the beginning. And so he's affirming. Uh, what a in, claim! Again, uh, like huge. as I was saying, for to say that this of your brother. <laughs> yes. I mean, you were you would have to have had some. Yeah. Real divine encounter. Yeah. Some revelation that has caused this. And I don't think this attitude can be explained apart from the fact that, as mm. I said, Jesus is who he is and reveals himself by the Holy Spirit yeah. to I, people in this way. Okay, so let's wrap it up. Jude, Jude there. Now we don't want to leave you thinking. And again, this is what I think of Jude. I like a lot a lot uh-huh. of people, a lot of people go to Jude and they go, Oh man, it's really heavy. And it's all about this judgment and it's all this old testament stuff. But we we're bookended with Jude, with the heart of Jude saying, Listen, I wanted to write to you about salvation. I yeah, wanted yeah, to write to you about all the good stuff. But God has made me write this heavy stuff. And at the end, we get a little bit of that heart again where he's like, listen, you know, uh, this is what this is what my heart's all about. You've got to show mercy to those who are yeah. wavering. If their people have been affected by these false teachers, rescue them, snatch them out of it, show yeah. mercy. Like he, you know, and he basically comes up with it's a corny phrase that we use as Christians, you know, do so with hating the sins that contaminate lives. Like, hate the sin that they're doing, love the sinner, yeah. try to rescue yeah, that's them. Right. And then he ends in the last couple of verses with a beautiful, what we call the doxology, oh. which is like a song that is still sung it's, today. It's, it's, I think this is one of the most beautiful yeah. doxologies in the New Testament, which is why we've sung it. So let, let's finish with uh, with reading this, because this is, I think, a beautiful ending mm. to, you know, what, what we've said is a necessarily heavy book. Yeah. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Well, I think that's up there with one of my favourite ways to finish off an episode of the podcast by reading out the closing verses of the chapter. Might be a new trick that we try to incorporate more often. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? The book of Jude. How good is this little book? 25 verses, one chapter. Jesus' half-brother Judas or Judah. So much in there rewarding, deeper looking. If you can... And this is what we want to do with this podcast is encourage you to go deeper in the Word of God, to go deeper in the Scripture. This is how God draws us in to a deeper relationship with Him by going deeper into the Word. And it's always, always rewarded. Now, I'll get off my little soapbox for the week. I encourage you to get in touch with us over at thrivetoday.net.au. Next week, what's going to happen? Are you going to have the new edition of Thrive, the brand new yellow one for the next few months? Are we going to start a whole new book? Is it going to be in the Old Testament? Is Matthew back from Europe? Well, you're going to have to tune in next week to episode 75 to find out. It's DJ here. Until then, I'll have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time on Thrive Deep. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you were reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news.
Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive.